Fan Drive Time, Ailish Porfire, Justin Cuthbert, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Special day today. Why is it special? It's my birthday. Uh, it is your birthday. Happy birthday. Very Thank exciting you. day. 7 Eleven. Uh, you it, got your free drink mm-hmm. already. We'll just leave it at that. July 7th. Free drink. Or July 11th, sorry. Would be the 7 Eleven. You got your free, only one free item today? Because no, you could go around I got the city spoiled. and get everything. Everywhere I've been today, I've been spoiled. So I appreciate it. But I got people, cupcakes. people did buy those items, though. I mean, oh, like, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you have a birthday in the city, you could just go around and I know pick you up can free do that. items. I know there's a few things I should have done for free, but. You know what? I just, I'll, I'll pass on Just those. the one item? I'll, I won't be greedy. The one that made for good social content? I'll take the free one item today. That's good. But That's I know good. you can. You can just roam the city and go place to place and get your free things. But You feel different? That's a question people ask on birthdays. I don't know if I feel different. I feel very appreciative. <laughs> I came in here and you guys had put little signs up and there was balloons in the studio. Mm-hmm. I got cupcakes and donuts and I am very appreciative. Gentilly and Salvian kind of, you know, they they, they were the you. first ones to talk about your birthday. Yep. So unfortunately, we have to, you know, not belabor the point with your birthday. Too much good. birthday content, right? There it's can be too much birthday content. Yep. And that's fine. Okay. So that's happy, the happy birthday. The end of my birthday. Uh, we, do, we do have... Some birthday content plan. Though. Mm. Like, I'll let you run down who's coming on uh, on the show in the the non-secretive hour. Right. There is but a the secret last, area. The last block of the show, 6.30 and, and on, will be somewhat secretive. A couple surprises. Your favorite guests, friends, maybe family. Family? Oh, God, no. Not family. Okay. They, they might be considered family. No offense family. to them, but they, they... They might be considered family. I don't need my brother Say, on the radio. You're my family. I get it. But we'll have a couple uh, surprise guests, but I will share who the main guest in the 630 block is because it's your favorite all-time guest, which is Charles Davis of the NFL and CBS. Uh, I'm going to cry. I love Charles. I miss Charles. I need to hear the rich timber of his voice today. It is rich timber. That was the Uh, only thing I wanted for my birthday was to talk to Charles. And we delivered. Uh, And if you don't know, the connection is magical between these two. Uh, (laughs) we We have Charles on every Friday. On the fan morning show, all through the NFL season, we've caught up with him. I think just once since the NFL season. Why did we do that again? It was. Um, it was just like to... we we need to talk to Charles. I think and there was, was some other reason s- too. Simple as that. There Doesn't matter. There's never been, you don't ever need a reason to talk to Charles. It, it might have been NFL draft content, but we're it. gonna have Charles Davis on later to wish wait. you a happy birthday. I hope you in didn't like pull him off timbers. of like an island or something. Uh, I don't think so. But I mean, I want to know what he gets up gets up. I to know. I miss. Summer. I just want to chat with Charles. So Charles Davis, and then we'll see who we a mystery bag of guests. Yeah. What a treat. It's perfect week for it, of course. I mean, there's uh, lots of MLB to talk about, and but it's also a fun week to hear from some people we haven't heard from in a while. And before that non-secretive, yes. Adnan Verk 510, Shane O'Brien of the Missing Curfew podcast mm. at 530, and Jeff Blair is going to join us at 6. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker just won't give us our spot, eh? They're lurking or, in the Or shadows. we just won't give them a vacation. I think it's a bit of both. Might be a bit of both. I think it's mostly us being like, guys, we need you to come back on the radio. They're like, ah, these two clowns. Yeah, that's anyway. exactly what's happening. So we are filling in this spot, um, as we mentioned, five to seven for the rest of this week, except Friday will be three to five because Blair and Barker will be back and we get to see them in real life. And then next week, Justin and I will be three to five as well um, as we take a little break from the morning show. We'll be back in two weeks, uh, but it's been a blast so far. It was nice to go home and... You know, watch the home run derby and sleep. You know, it was yeah. a spectacular night. Yeah, and it is interesting though because it's, of course, your birthday and you get the opportunity to sleep in. But you turned down that opportunity just to go to the gym early on your birthday. And I thought maybe that was a hero <laughs> move on your part. But then I was thinking about it a bit more. I'm like, that's kind of what I would do, but not because I'm like 
trying to find balance on my birthday. It's that I'm trying to avoid like any attention on my birthday and I'm just trying to make it like any other day. But I feel like with you, it was more of a balanced thing knowing there might be like desserts okay, well, I've already everywhere when you came into the studio today. My week's worth of calorie intake today in terms of treats. But uh, yeah, I went to the gym this morning. I don't think that's too weird on your birthday. It's a bit of a hero move though. <laughs> I didn't go in there like, in a muscle shirt, look, it's my birthday. Well, that's not the. That's not I'm what gonna I'm going to bench the exact number of my birthday reps. <laughs> like, I didn't make it about me, but I did go to the gym because I was like, I knew I was going to be a bit of a slob today. Okay, that's fair, though. Yeah. Uh, last night, I feel so justified in my support of the Home Run Derby. Yeah, it was because pretty it was spectacular. And, of course, it had the best possible result mm-hmm. with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning it, at least if you're in this city. But I think it's so much this more This country, than that. even. This country, of course. Whole country's team. Everyone is pulling for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. At least they were last night. But it had everything. It had everything last night, the home run derby. You can check it off the list if you like. Stars participating. Of course you had that. Stars performing. We saw a lot of cool performances. Yep. Crazy athletic feats, even. I think we saw that. Put a check mark beside that. Stars showing personality. I think we saw that. A villain. <laughs> Pete Alonso losing. I thought we saw that. Hometown favorite. Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez, we saw that dramatic conclusion with 30 seconds on the clock for Randy Rosarena to try to beat Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he couldn't do it. I thought that was very, very good TV, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I like that I'm on the right side of history here with the, Vla- with the Vlad, with the home run derby being a good thing. I think you're spot on. I've never doubted the home run derby, you but I think, I think those people that were on the fence thought it was kind of mid. They've certainly come around, at least because, as you mentioned, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning this, we'll get into the discussion about does this do anything for the rest of his season and whether you believe that or not. It was a pretty spectacular thing for him to win that. It is certainly something that is going to go close to his heart in terms of important things in his career, whether it's, you know, it's a fake thing, whatever. It's uh, as a power hitter, it's one of the things you want to win. You want to be the best one. Uh, His dad did it. So you have the first time a father and a son have ever won this duo. Uh, you had his little daughter on this field. Like, mm-hmm. there was a family connection. His family was the reason that he went it, yeah, into exactly. the competition. He's, that's a great point because so he got sweet. to celebrate after he was somewhat challenged by and his that family. That was lovely. Yeah. He put on a home run derby jacket and Twitter was ablaze. Bring back the derby jacket or bring back the home run jacket. I'm like, he's maybe still, you're onto something. He still looks and feels he comfortable in a jacket. He in that jacket. But I would say... All of that with Bo also there doing some interviewing, some little... Mm-hmm. In between the rounds, hits, like, it was really fun. I think Blue Jays fans got a lot out of it. I think that you can feel pretty proud of what Vladdy did. Um, whether he was the number two favorite or not, it was a sixth seed. Like, he had to he had to get himself to the final, and he did win it, and he flexed on Randy Rosarena. That, you know, it was cool. It was very, very good television. It was great for Blue Jays fans to revel mm-hmm. in that, of course, for Guerrero to enjoy that as well. There were a couple things, though, a couple mishaps. Are you talking about when the broadcast thought that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was from Cuba? That's one. There was a line drive that... (laughs) Oh, have we got an update on that? Did some damage. I I was kind of actually scared to look it up because that was a missile that hit a kid. And I've always wondered that watching these kids chase. Like, if they're going to run into each other, they're going to run into the wall. Are they going to mistime it? That was just like the worst possible... Worst case scenario uh, at a home run derby. I don't know if there are going to be children running around next time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there were a couple. There were a couple interesting things. I thought what else was interesting 
was the Teoscar Hernandez FaceTime okay, mid competition? Really interesting too. And and Hazel, like good on Hazel, um, our Hazel May for interviewing Vladdy post uh, the performance and saying, "Oh, you know, who were you FaceTiming?" And he said, "Teo." I think everybody's heart skipped a beat. Like that's our Teo. Like. And, you know, some people think Teo would be a nice fit to come back to the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're very good friends. They go way back. They have this connection that we saw so much on the field, and it meant a lot to them. But I think it pulled at the heartstrings a little bit, knowing that Teo FaceTimed Vladdy during the home run derby to say, like, gave him some advice, and and then he wins. So that connection is still strong. Yeah, it's a slippery slope going down the whole psychoanalysis route. But if we're talking about <laughs> Vladdy's season mm-hmm. and the environment changing around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year, not to say that, you know, if he had Teoscar Hernandez here, things would be different. But things did change a lot for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from this year to next. And I think we did learn that, hey, there's not like there's nothing with Schneider either. Like that, that was kind of a thing like, oh, he's taking a home run jacket away from uh, John Schneider. Those two are pretty tight, mm-hmm. too. So I think we learned a couple things. I think we learned a little bit about the relationship with Schneider that is probably better than maybe advertised. We learned that Teoscar Hernandez is still very much in the conscious of <laughs> Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And maybe it's a good thing if the Mariners keep losing ball games, mm-hmm. and maybe there's a deadline acquisition there because it doesn't matter lighty, righty lefty right there now. Uh, the Blue Jays just need a bat, and Teoscar Hernandez could be that bat. That would be an interesting move. But yeah, there's a lot to sort of unpack, and mm-hmm. we saw a little bit more of the realness or a little bit more in terms of truce and things that were a little surprising between Vladdy's win. Schneider, Bo being on the mic, as you mentioned, Teoscar being one of the first phone calls. <laughs> like, that, it was a lot of Blue Jays content mm-hmm. on a broadcast that was showcasing, you know, the eight most powerful hitters that they could get out there, but also all the 30 teams in the league. And I think it was it was very Blue Jays slanted, even though the broadcast was definitely cheering for Vladdy they to be They wanted Randy or Rosen Arena to win that. You're convinced of that, eh? They were like, oh, Vladdy looks tired. He's never going to make they it. Vladdy's tired. Vladdy's tired. And I'm like, okay, but he's still. Vladdy was tired. Whatever. He still won. But they were so Homer against any American team winning that. I felt it in my soul. I don't know. I think they just wanted a dramatic ending. I, I think they wanted it. a dramatic ending. They were cheering for that. It was dramatic. Didn't get it. But yeah, I think they were right about Vladdy being a little bit tired. It's just that uh, he managed his exhaustion better than Julio Rodriguez did, who seemed to be burnt out after uh, one round. Okay, so someone there that was there covering it live um, and had an absolute heater of pre-game prediction picks is joining us now, Adnan Verk, MLB Network and Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, how are you doing? Ailis, Justin, it's so uh, great to finally chat with you guys. Yes. Normally, obviously, in the morning show, we don't get to hang out. So I'm uh, thrilled to talk to you guys, and it's a really cool vibe right now in Seattle. It's, uh, it's a really good time to be a baseball fan here at the All-Star Game. I was going to say, when we uh, got the afternoon slot, uh, slot, we were, okay, what guests do we never get a chance to talk to? And you are one of them, so I'm <laughs> glad we get to connect, and um, I'm glad that we get to get you from Seattle because that's super special. Um, before I get into the vibe around there, I saw that you went seven for seven on your pre-predictions for the, like, are you an Oracle? How do we get some of oh, this to rub off on our betting picks? Like, how did you know you laid it all out perfectly? Well, thanks so much for mentioning Ailish. And the reason I had to be boastful about it, because normally I'm atrocious at this. I wouldn't quite say. <laughs> Don't I'm worry much, about it. <laughs> but, but, but nobody's asking for my picks. So as you know, when you finally get one, you have to just be mm-hmm. the biggest braggart alive. And 
and I was thrilled to be able to get it. I went blue, I went four for four on the Derby for the opening round, the semifinals. And then, of course, being a homer, I was going to pick Vlad Jr., and he came through. So our guy did well, and uh, I was thrilled to see it go 7-7. to And It's usually my favorite home run derby ever. Uh, there you go. I mean, I heard you on the way into the studio yesterday, and you were saying how tired Julio Rodriguez might be based mm. on, like, yeah. the amount of media he had to do. And I was like, well, I'm picking him anyway, Adnan. <laughs> and I was really, yeah. really happy to pick him in the first round because mm. he upset Pete Alonso, of course. Uh, but it seemed like he's still working on the pacing thing at the home run derby. Well, that wasn't as much of an issue for Vlad. So was that the key for Vladdy then? Was it just, you know, he looked a little taxed at times. It looked like he was just trying to get through rounds the best of his ability at times. Maybe that's just the broadcast, a little bit coloring my opinion. But it seemed like he was just doing enough every single time. So was it just a pacing thing that Vladdy got down or was he just going to beat anyone who was in front of him last night? A big part of it. By the way, when Julio stepped up, I turned to my buddy Scott Rogowski we're old friends from our show on DAZN, and I said, he's going to get maybe 15. He goes, yeah, maybe 11. And, of course, he gets 41. So we were wrong <laughs> on that prediction. But we had seen him. Like, I'd seen him earlier at the hotel. I'm like, listen, Julio's an awesome guy. He's about as charismatic as it gets. But he looked tired. I'm like, he's getting run ragged here. There's no way. And kind of to your point, he, he was able to empty the tank, but then that was it. And I thought for Vladi, the pacing was critical. I think it was in the semifinal when he had, like, maybe 10. He looked like he was struggling, calls a timeout, takes the breather, and from then he was smooth and, and looked great. And I think that's the thing, right? When you're swinging maximum exertion, like, it's exhausting out there. It was pretty temperate for Seattle. I mean, I, I, it's my first time here. It's a beautiful city. I've been to Vancouver twice. It's very similar in terms of climate. So, like, it's not overbearing. It's not humid. But when you're swinging like that every single time, it's got to take a toll. So I think the smart player knows when to take a timeout, take a breather, go hard. The bonus run is always great. And, uh, yeah, for Vlad Jr., man, it was an awesome save. So that 41-run round for Julio Rodriguez, like the home crowd was electric. Everything was so exciting. Do you think there was also like a mental exhaustion going into the second time up? Because all of a sudden you had to sit for a bit, then you have to get yourself back up for another round. Like physically, we saw that. But maybe even mentally, like emotionally, like how am I ever going to top? That was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and when you look at the overall home run totals, Rosarena was 82, Vlad was 72, Julio was 61. <laughs> and so, like, it's kind of crazy. I think he had 41 right out of the gate and then only, and I use the word only, like in quotations, mm. 61. But, but that is part of it. I've heard some people say, well, why don't you take a cumulative total? But that's not the way sports works, especially in brackets, right? If you looked at March Madness and a team wins game one, the second they lose, oh, but the cumulative total was one. Well, that doesn't work that way. Like, in that round, you've got to step up. So I think it's a matter of just Julio trying to figure out how to do this so that he's not just going all out. But mm. but at the same time, I still think he felt pretty good about himself because he was able to say, I hit 41 home runs in the opening round. It was still an electrifying moment. It was still a memorable moment. And he still dethroned a two-time champion in Pete Alonso. So still playing to be happy, but I think if you're Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, we got to be reminded next year, he's the nuts in the first round. Just bet him in the first round. Don't worry about what yeah. happens after that. Um, okay, so Vladdy does win it. And we were talking about how you know, for a week, 10 days beforehand. Can this be good or bad for Vladdy? Uh, he wins it. I don't think that matters if he wins it. Uh, if there was like a, a swing mechanical thing that could, uh, you know, get in the way of his second half. But if we're talking about confidence, feeling good about yourself, getting some national, international shine, if you want to put it that way, does this portend good things, do you think, for the second half for Vladdy, Vladdy Jr.? I certainly hope so. You know, we have an incredible research department here at MLB Network, and I always look over our stats and numbers and one of the biggest things I noticed about the Jays the other day is as Vladdy goes, so goes the team. I mean, it's, it's really notable that when the Jays are winning, he's got like a you know, 850 OPS. If the team is losing, it's like a 660 OPS. It's really glaring in terms of how Vladdy's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. And I got to talk to him uh, on media day, and he came by. And, again, we had DeAndre Alonso, who's proficient in both languages. But the one thing I said to Vladdy was, 
I'm curious about the dimensions. You know, obviously everyone knows you were not able to hit home runs at Rogers Center to begin, but hopefully that's me you can turn around. He goes, yeah, honestly, it's one of those things I'm not thinking about much. He goes, I kind of like the dimensions. It looks good. It just hasn't helped in terms of being more offensive baseball. So I don't think it's in his head or anything. He just doesn't think it's had the desired effect. Bobachek kind of said the same thing to me as well when I asked him about it. So there's no doubt that Vlad Jr. should be able to put up big numbers. I think there's something to be said for maybe that one transcendent year where he just went bonkers. He said, okay, this probably may not be indicative of the kind of guy he's always going to be. You know, a lot of those home runs were hit in Buffalo, in Dunedin, et cetera. So ultimately, maybe he's not the, as I said, transcendental player. You thought he's in 40 homers, 120 RBI, but he can still be a 28 home run guy. He can still be a 90 RBI guy and hit 280. At the end of the year, Vlad Jr.'s numbers should be there and hopefully will be there. Because, again, if you go by the numbers, he really is the bellwether for this Jays team. What do you think he owes his manager, John Schneider, after that performance? Perfect pitching. He, he was getting shelled out there, as the Blue Jays Twitter put it. It was hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, they had a great chemistry, a great duo that ultimately gets the, the trophy there. But, like, does he give them, you know, a Rolex? Does he give them a little cash? Yeah. How does that work? I was going to say, definitely got to slip them some cash or, you know, a nice ride or something like yeah. that. Those guys make good money, right? The mm-hmm. winner gets a million bucks. I believe second place, 750. So uh, hopefully John gets something nice. But you're right, Alice. That is a really important aspect of it. When Alonso was struggling early on, I, I said to myself, of course, it's not his usual guy. I'm not sure what happened to his usual pitcher I saw yesterday. I think he was hurt or couldn't make the trip. So it was like a backup throwing in the balls. Like, it's so critical. When Alonso was hitting a couple of opposite field home runs, I said, okay, obviously he's not in his group right now. He should be hitting these dead center or to left, as Vladdy was. So I, I'm with you. The, the guy throwing the BP is critical to the operation, and John Schneider, I noticed that right away. I said, wow, it's pretty cool. His manager is the one throwing to him. I couldn't imagine, you know, Dusty Baker throwing to Jordan Alvarez. But there's John Schneider hooking up flat. It was great to see. Yeah, I think that's pressure that most managers would not want to take on. But uh, credit to Schneider still involves himself that way. And uh, I guess they had a routine. And it definitely, like, uh, your pitching can let you down in that competition. We saw it last night. Did not let Vladdy down. Uh, I think one of the coolest things we saw, though, uh, from last night's derby was Adley Rutschman hitting from the other side of the plate uh, with his bonus time. Uh, how much clout or respect do you think he earned for himself with that just single round performance, but a memorable one at that? Oh, you're right, Justin. It was bananas. I mean, um, I saw him on the left side, and you know, he looked pretty good. And also when he switched, you go, this is ridiculous, right? This is kind of just a stunt, something fun to do here for the bonus round. And then literally home run after home run after home run. I said, this is mind-boggling. You don't really see as many switch hitters in today's game where we're long gone from the years of slugging switch hitters like Chipper Jones or Mark Scherer, or of course, Mickey Mantle way, way back. So it's pretty cool to see a guy like that pull off that kind of a show. And, and I think you're right. In many ways, it's for the fans, but it's also for bragging rights among players. And there's definitely guys who are going up to him going, dude, I knew you could hit. I didn't know you could hit from both sides of that kind of power. So anytime you see something unique in a home run derby, what Rutschman did was definitely special. I'm sure Orioles fans really appreciated it. We're speaking with Adam Anverk, MLB Network, and Cinephile Podcast. And we have to talk to you about some upcoming movies, so stay tuned because I have like I need to know which one I need to go visit, and I know you know which two I'm talking about. But uh, Randy yeah. Rosarena and his flair for the dramatic. like This guy is so, such a fun joy to watch when you're not in the AL East playing against him. Uh, but the cowboy boots, the whole vibe. like Is there more of a, a guy that just runs on energy and fans and fun vibes than Randy Rosarena? Well, my joke was Ailers that, you know, he should be in the home run derby every year, but every time he has to hit a home run, he has to cross his arms. I mean, it would just take <laughs> forever. He literally would have to do a celebration every single home mm-hmm. run, drop the bat, cross your arms, go back from there. But I- I'm with you. I think he's a ton of fun. You know, really had his moment in the World Series when the Rays had their run and ultimately fell to the Dodgers. But that's where, you know, it's a Rose Reina's coming out party. Who is this guy? 
St. Louis gave up on him, but he's really a special player. Again, to think about the Cardinals could have had him and Adolis Garcia. Both those guys were in their in their in their pipeline, and both those guys were discarded. It's crazy to think about. But you're right; he plays a lot of joy. He's infectious. In many ways, he's the face of the Rays. I know Wander Franco's got the 182 million dollar contract and is a future superstar. But Arozarena really feels like the catalyst for that team, and he's one that a lot of people respect and appreciate. And you know, sometimes that that kind of behavior might rub some guys the wrong way. But I think in Randy's case, everyone appreciates that he's not doing it out of spite. He just has joy for the game and. He's crossing his arms, letting you know that the Rays are the team to beat right now in the American League. And Vladdy crossed his arms and flexed right back on him, and I love that little taste at the end. Um, so tonight we have the All-Star Game, of course. The fun hasn't stopped yet. Uh, the vibe around Seattle, you mentioned, has been electric. What is it to look forward to tonight um, with uh, more guys on the field and uh, more stakes at hand? Yeah, I can't wait. You know, so I'm, uh, I'm right now on the truck right now with uh, Albert Pujols, Pedro Martinez, and Yonder Alonso, and I don't speak Spanish, so I can't follow the conversation. But I can tell you, <laughs> we've got some serious star power here. I mean, Pedro's a three-time signing award winner. Pujols, three-time MVP. And, and these guys are as excited as anybody just to see that kind of star power out there. You know, the baseball all-star game is still the best one because it most closely resembles the game that is actually played. In hockey and basketball, it's a glorified exhibition in which defense is not allowed. Uh, in football, it's, again, it's like flag football. No one's going to watch that. Somehow, six million people watch the Pro Bowl. I don't know how that happens. But in baseball, I'm like, yeah, no, like, guys are still throwing 95. Guys are still making athletic plays. Guys are trying to win. And, and I think you don't need to re- raise the stakes as they did in the past with home field, you know, meaning for the World Series. You know, that was kind of a cute idea. But I just like it as is. I, you know, I think if you're a baseball fan, you appreciate what these guys all are, what they represent. But, of course, there's no bigger story than Otani. I mean, I, I'll be out there just looking to watch Otani every second. I wish he was able to pitch, but, of course, that blister prevents him from doing so. But he's batting second tonight, and his numbers right now, he's on pace for 58 home runs and 130 RBI and going to strike out 217 batters, and he's leading the league. He leads everybody in opponent batting average of 188. It's just a truly remarkable season for the ages, and I think on a stage like this, even casual baseball fans will tune in and go, okay, if you're a sports fan, let me watch the All-Star game. Let me see Otani do Otani things. So I hope he has a big night because uh, if you're not appreciating what he's doing, you're missing out. So the Maple Leafs have a Nimala, and now the Blue Jays have a Namala. Uh, mm-hmm. Arjun Namala, the 20th overall pick for the Blue Jays' first-round draft pick. Do you have a scouting report on the uh, shortstop who the Blue Jays invested their first-rounder in? You know, our guys do an incredible job in the Major League Baseball draft, and, and one of our producers had mentioned to me, so I know your family's of Pakistani descent, but you've got to hear the story about Arjun Namala. He's of Indian descent, and he actually would go to India when he was growing up as a kid and go play cricket there, and his parents really got him into sports, and he's got a really good chance of going in the MLB draft. So I was clearly taken by the story and read up a little bit about it and knew of him. I really didn't know many, much else about the draft, and I was actually, uh, at this point, I like to go see a movie when I can, so after landing, I went to the AMC Seattle to go check out the new Wes Anderson movie, and I do like to keep my phone off. I used to sometimes have it on. It's too annoying. People are always texting. So I do turn it off. When I turn it on, I was greeted about 12 text messages. like, oh, my God, Arjun Namala went to the Jays. Everyone knew. Obviously, I'm a Jays fan, and obviously it was really cool with the story. So I can tell you this. His upside, at best, they say is like Correa and Baez. Like, he's got incredible skills defensively. There's some concerns about his hit tool, whether or not he's a good enough hitter at the major league level, but if he can be, they also say he's got power and he's got clout. So, you know, if he can just hit for a higher average, he could be at best a 30-home run guy. He could be a Correa bias, which would be extraordinary to think about. And we know how what a strong South Asian population there is in Toronto, in Canada, to have a guy like Damala coming up. I remember I was in Toronto covering the Leafs when Nazem Kadri came up, you know, obviously being Muslim. I was taken by his story, obviously playing for the Leafs and what a strong uh, component to that story was as well. So it's cool on its own merit, but I think he obviously wants to succeed as a player. 
But he's aware of the fact India is a country of 1.4 billion, and he's trying to be the first player ever of Indian descent to make the major leagues. Generally, the ratio, I think, for first round is like, you know, 50-50. So he's got a 50-50 chance, I would think, of making it one day for the Blue Jays, and I'll certainly be rooting for him. Yeah, it's an incredible story. I know the city will welcome him in, and we got some time to watch him develop, which is always exciting with a younger player. Um, Adnan Verk, of course, of MLB Network. And the Cinephile Podcast, before we let you go, a big head-to-head Barbie and Oppenheimer. What are we supposed to do? I'm wearing pink today. Doesn't mean I'm on Team Barbie, but they're coming out. It's like the Twitter is torn. Do you see both at the same time? What's the protocol for two big movies coming out at once? I'm t- I don't know what to do. Well, it's hilarious. It makes me think of the great Mark Twain line. You know, the rumors of my device have been greatly exaggerated because everyone says nobody goes to the movies anymore. Well, everybody on July 21st oh, yeah. is going to see Barbie or Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. And I-, I wish they separated them. Like, God, it's so fun to have two big movies like that. Yet you're making a collision course. But, of course, that's Warner Brothers' fault. They're upset at Nolan because he left Warner Brothers with whom he worked with a long time because he was upset with their policy of day-and-date release. To go back to the COVID era, basically a movie would come out on streaming but also in theaters. So he was very upset. Went to Universal, makes Oppenheimer, which looks extraordinary, and I can't wait to see it. So Warner Brothers goes, oh, you know what? we got this Barbie movie, which already has a huge cachet with intellectual property. They say if you love Barbie, you'll love the movie. If you hate Barbie, you might still like the movie mm. because it's subversive and silly. And, and listen, Greta Gerwig, what a pedigree she has. Obviously, she's an acclaimed director. And you've got Margot Robbie who brought her in. And our man Gosling, fellow Canadian, playing Ken. I mean, right. Barbie probably feels like they can't miss. I'll see it at some point. But I, I can't wait for Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan has me the word go. Killian Murphy, Matt Damon. I mean, he actually requisitioned a real weapon of mass destruction for the movie. That's how much he didn't want CGI. He wanted it to look realistic. So I'll be in for Oppenheimer, but I will see Barbie at some point. Okay, we'll get your scouting report on both. Uh, appreciate you jumping on. So great to get the chance to chat. Enjoy Seattle. Say hi to our Blue Jays, and hopefully they put on a show for you tonight. Yeah, all right, thanks so much, Ailis Justin. It was great to see Bo Bichetta and uh, Brad Jr. Hopefully I'll see uh, Romano and Whit Merrifield yes. at some point. <laughs> we hope so, too. Uh, that's Adnan Verk of MLB Network and Cinephile Podcast. Uh, live from Seattle. We're seeing it up on the screen. They're getting mm-hmm. ready. The guys are out there. A lot of Blue Jays, you know, booting around down there. It's exciting. Just quickly, because we've got to hit break. Uh, switch hitting might be the most bonkers God. athletic skill there is. Like, I could not even imagine being able to hit a home run on the dominant side, Mm-mm. but being able to switch <laughs> and doing the same thing is is actually something, and I know it's not like this novel concept. They've been doing it forever. I, I could not even imagine well, having that skill. We gar- we're going out golfing tomorrow, and uh, both lefties, mm-hmm. but I cannot imagine lining up just on the tee to try to take a tee shot with a right-handed... Cl- I, I don't think I could even make contact. It would take a while, probably. Just the idea of, like, your entire... You just feel like your entire body, you're out of it. It's in someone else's hands. And that's the thing we're talking about. It's the same thing with golfing. But, like, mechanically, you have to be sound in order to hit the ball hard enough to get it out of the ballpark. And he can just snap his fingers, switch to the other side, and it's just flying off his bat. It's crazy. Lots of really great stuff last night at the Home Run Derby. We'll have a chance to chat through that a little bit more um, at 6 o'clock with our guy Jeff Blair. But we're going to take a break because we have Shane O'Brien of Missing Curfew joining us on the other side. It's the Fan Drive Time with Ailish and Justin on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Back 
back on Fan Drive Time. It's Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar filling in this week on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360 right now. We've got a great guest from a wonderful part of Ontario. I just cannot wait to pick his brain. It's Shane O'Brien from Missing Curfew. Shane, uh, Port Hope's very own. My parents are listening from Fourth Line and Morris Church Road um, at the intersection. Just cannot wait to hear your voice. So uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What, a, what an introduction. Actually, uh, I'm heading back home Friday uh, Friday morning here from California. So I'm going to spend a couple of nights in the city and then I'm heading out to the lake. So I'm looking forward to getting home and spending some time with my nephews. So I love the hamlets of Ontario and I guess Canada in general. And when anyone is from Port Hope area, I got asked, like, you know, what's the spa? Where are you going? If you do go back actually to Port Hope, I know you're, you know, you're not there anymore, but that's where it says on where you're born. So we need a little Port Hope talk. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, when I go back, I stay with my parents sometimes. I, I can't really fit in my, my bed or my childhood room anymore, <laughs> but uh, I spend a couple nights usually there with them. And I love to spend some time on the lake. So mm-hmm. we're heading up to the Corthus, uh Stony Lake. Uh, nice. For seven days, I'm on full uncle duty, so uh, I got my hands full as a single guy when I get to hang out with my nephews. They make sure realize I'm still not ready for kids just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, celebrity event, at least in the NHL circle, uh, seemed to be Tyson Berry's wedding. I know you're a former teammate. I want to put you on blast if you didn't get the invite, but did you go? Were you invited? Like, what, what do you know about what went down at Tyson Berry's wedding? Yeah, great question. I did not get my invite. Must have got lost in the mail. Oh, I was Tyson, Justin! I, I was so a little reluctant to ask. I, I shouldn't have asked. I that was, way. Uh, no, no, it's fine. I was Tyson Berry's first NHL defense partner, so maybe that's why I didn't get the invite. <laughs> he worked so hard to get. He worked so hard to get the NHL, and then he's like, "I got to play with this O'Brien guy. What the heck? This is all though." So, uh, a star-studded cast. I saw my former teammate and all-time beauty, Mike Smith, with his shirt off. Yeah, uh, still nice and lean as always. So Smitty was leading the charge, but uh, I definitely didn't have enough career games or points. I don't think to get invited to that wedding. Mm. No, he's scared you're going to outshine him. That's why you didn't get the invite. It's, yeah, it's definitely at the post office in Port Hope. Um, so wedding season though in the NHL is always interesting. Like they start popping up, and it's weekend after weekend after weekend. I'm sure you've been to some weddings in your career. Like, what is a wedding season in an NHL circle like? It just looks like an absolute gong show. Yeah, it is. I actually got invited to more bachelor parties than that. Bachelor parties than the actual wedding, but uh, I did get the, the I did get the invite to a couple weddings. Uh, my boy P.A. Pronto, uh, his wedding was out in Moncton, New Brunswick. So I had to come all the way from California and fly all the way to Moncton. But uh, it was a great time. Lots of former teammates. Uh, you know, it, it's tough because the summer is so short, and obviously, this you know nowadays, especially guys in the gym, uh, guys are on the ice so much more now. I remember I wouldn't start skating till August first. And then Tamu Solani wouldn't show up to skate until about August 20th. When, when Tamu showed up, we knew, we knew camp was getting around the corner. So <laughs> weddings are fun, but summer's so short for these guys that uh, it's tough to get to all the weddings and all that stuff. How much stress is on the wallet if you're going to like five or six of these Ooh. in the summer? Like I, I just try to do my part, cover the plate a couple hundred. That's all I can really, that's all I can really do. But I feel like the NHL yeah. player, more responsibility when it comes to a wedding gift. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, right? And obviously, like a wedding like Tyson Bears, maybe that's why Bears invited all the richest guys in the league. You want the best <laughs> wedding guest. You want a nice veteran play by him. But, uh, no, you want to take care of your teammate. Obviously, most important, uh, you know, the wife, the bride is, is the more important thing. So uh, there's some pressure to get on it. You don't want to be the chief skate, and you want to get a good gift. So there's definitely that, that's something that goes into that. We're chatting with Shane O'Brien, a missing curfew. Um, okay, so let's talk a little Leafs. So Ryan Reeves, a big addition. I know you're a vibes guy. I know you're a locker room guy. So what is it like bringing in a, um, someone that's super well-respected for what he does off the ice, of course, what that energy might be like for a locker room that we've, you know, we've heard questions about now for the last couple of weeks and whether that's true or not, just the addition of someone like Ryan Reeves for this Leafs roster. 
Yeah, I love it. And, and you know what? The, the people in media, uh, the media in Toronto's got to be on their toes because I think Rebo's not only going to keep the people on the ice uh, honest, I think he's going to do a good job of keeping Uh-oh. the media in Toronto honest. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see what comes out of the sound bits. Uh, like you said, I'm in the content business now. So I love Revo, love everything he brings You know, in the dressing room. I think he's going to bring you know, even more of a swagger. Um, and then on the ice, you, you know he's there. Obviously, Milan Lucic is in Boston. You see Zach McEwen rewarded with a three-year deal in Ottawa. Uh, McEwen's going to earn that money because he's going to have his hands full in that division. Uh, obviously, fighting's not what it used to be, but I'm still a big believer in physical play. And I do think come playoff time that Revo will serve a purpose in the seven-game series. Maybe he doesn't play every game, uh, but he's there if you need him. So what does it get you? I mean, you kind of like touched on a few things, media, inside the room, on the ice, when in the lineup. But having the actual toughest guy in the league, is that worth more than having, you know, one of the handful of heavyweights? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, going back to when I played, there was, you know, pretty much a heavyweight on every team. But if, if you looked at the lineup and you, and you saw a guy like Brian McGrath, the bigger, who I love, wasn't playing, you know, a guy like myself got a little bit braver. And, and I, I know the game has changed a lot, but I still think that element of, of, of fear is in there. And that's what Revo brings to the lineup night in, night out. If you're Matthews, Marner, uh, Morgan Riley, guys like that, um, you're going to have some more room on the ice. And like I said, it's not so much about fighting, it's about being physical. And if something does happen, uh, everyone in the building knows Rebo's right there. So more importantly with the Leafs, I think the question we've been asking ourselves in the offseason has been like, why aren't the top guys for the Maple Leafs satisfied? Like, why isn't Nylander cool with which, you know, $9 million or whatever might be offered him when a guy like Timo Meyer traded to the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils, excuse me, immediately eight years. Alex Dabrinkit traded to Detroit Red Wings. Four years, easy contract, zero negotiation, at least it seems. Like, why does it seem like the Leafs are the exception where all these other stars around the league are okay with what they're offered when it seems like there's just so much more negotiation that has to be had in Toronto? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't necessarily think I have the answer. I think, you know, obviously with the salary cap going up in a couple of years is maybe why a guy like Nylander and, and who knows what's going on with Matthews. And then when you play in Toronto, listen, I played in Vancouver for two years. Um, you're a big deal, right? And that's even more more important in Toronto. So sometimes, you know, people are telling these guys how great they are. They're seeing themselves on TV every day. The media is around them, 20 deep every day. Uh, maybe they think they deserve every every single cent. But I, I'm with you. If you want to win and you want to bring a Stanley Cup to Toronto, you probably got to take a little haircut like the rest of these guys are doing around the league. Do you think this, I mean, not the specific situation, you don't have to comment on that, but, like, does that add tension to the guys that aren't in the top? Like, maybe a guy that's a middle six, bottom six player that's like, hey, we just, like, want to move forward as a team. We don't want to have it all talking about this contract and all this looming stuff. Like, do they care about that? Does it bother you at all? Do you even hear that noise this offseason when you're back home hitting up weddings or training? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you definitely do. And, <clears throat> you know, I remember Alex Burroughs went through it. You know, it was coming down the trade deadline, and we were leading – the old Northwest division back in the day. And, 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 you know, Burr was worried about them trading him. And I'm like, not trading buddy. Like, you know, just get the deal done. And he ended up getting the deal done. So uh, as a role player or depth guy, you, you know, what's going on with your star players. You want it to get done. You want everyone to make as much money as they can. Uh, but it's definitely something you think about while you're training, because you want your group of guys back and ready to go for training camp. We're chatting with Shane O'Brien of missing curfew. So we went through your hockey DB and we saw you played with a lot of familiar faces in these hallways. Uh, Kevin BXA being one of them. So so you get yeah. the platform. He's not here. He's probably not even listening. Give us some dirt on our buddy, Kevin. Yeah, Juice, my former roommate. You know what? He lives out here in California. If, uh, he He's going to come get you. <laughs> yeah, so I see him I see him on my morning walk someday. That's what it's come to now. When you're an old washed-up ex-hockey player, you go for walks in the morning. So <laughs> I see him sometimes out here. 
Uh, he's doing a great job, obviously, with Sportsnet back home in Hockey Night in Canada. But, um, you know, my claim to fame with Juice is, you know, we were roommates, and he, he actually punted me as roommates in Vancouver, which turned out great because I got my own room on the road. And back then, we had to share a room. So uh, as much as I, I was mad that Juice punted me out of there, I got my own room for the rest of the year. And uh, I, I tell you what, it was pretty enjoyable. What did you do wrong? Yeah. Uh, let's just say our schedules weren't exactly on the on the same. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, yeah. He, he Maybe late Indian, night, early risers. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I like to fall asleep with TV on. He didn't like that. And this was before the days of the iPads and all that stuff. Now, so um, if you wanted to watch TV, you had to do it the old school way and, and fire it on. I think. You know, there might have been like a, a, a DVD player maybe I had or something like that. But basically, long story short, our schedules were a little different mm. come, uh, you know, off days. <laughs> I, I, don't even, I don't even think this is a fair question. As Illish mentioned, we went through the hockey DB clearly uh, to go through or prepare for the interview. You yeah. played with so many unbelievable players. I mean, the Sedin Twins uh, in Tampa, Stamco, San Louis, Le Cavalier in Anaheim, Timu, as you mentioned, Niedermeyer, Pronger. I mean, could you actually pinpoint the best player that you ever played with or hockey played at the highest level that you saw from at least your own bench? Like, can you pinpoint one guy that did it better, maybe for a short time, better than all the other teammates that you had? Yeah, that's a great question. Like you said, I was lucky enough to be with, with lots of them. Chris Pronger, my rookie year, comes to, comes to mind, right? You know, I was on that Ducks team that, you know, went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. I got, you know, traded to Tampa uh, God love Jay Feaster. He got, he got, you know, he traded the first rounder for me. I still say that's the best trade Brian Burke ever made, getting the first rounder for me. But, you know, watching Prongs play as a rookie, just as he dominated the game, uh, I wanted to play physical like him. I wanted to make a good first pass like him. Uh, I got better just watching Prongs. Uh, and then for domination, probably the Sedins, what they did my two years in Vancouver. Uh, my first year, you know, Daniel got hurt. Uh, Hank, you know, carried the torch without him, won the Hart Trophy. And then the next year, what they did together. I mean, those guys, night in and night out, how consistent they were, the plays they made, uh, it was pretty special. Yeah, Pronger, if someone asked me, actually, which is, I feel, you know, justified in this take, if someone asked me, like, the best hockey they saw, Pronger 06 with the Oilers, Pronger 07 with the Ducks, I mean, I don't know how you can be more dominant than that. Very, very impressive stuff. Uh, Now, of course, you're doing media stuff and traveling around for the Stanley Cup final. I'm not sure if it was the first one going, like, rank to rank, but what's it like, you know, jumping on that bus, being part of uh, the Stanley Cup final, going from Vegas to Florida and back, and seeing everything that you saw as the Vegas Golden Knights became Stanley Cup champions? Yeah, it it hurt, to be honest with you. I paid the price for it. I'll tell you what, I'd be a good pro now. I go to bed early. I'm up early. It takes a lot to Tell Kevin that now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Me and Juice would be good roommates now. But, um, you know, listen, Vegas, the Golden Knights organization has been great to me in the updog with Mr. Curfew. Uh, A couple of my good buddies out here are are minority owners, are are friends with Bill Foley. So um, to see Vegas win the Stanley Cup, that city, the way it surrounded that team, it was unbelievable. And then going to Florida, listen, I, I used to go into South Florida with Tampa and all the other teams, and there was nobody in the building. Um, you know, to see that place rock and my boy Matty Kachuk doing his thing, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's unfortunate the Panthers got as banged up as they did because uh, they ran out of gas, but I was happy for the Vegas Gold Knights. It, it was cool to be there. So you got connections to Foley, so you might be a little bit biased, but we always do like, hey, what can you learn from the Stanley Cup champion after every Stanley Cup is awarded? And it feels like... Bill Foley might be like a differentiator for Vegas. Just someone who is like so dead set on a promise he made or fulfilling the promise he made about six years, but him like giving his people all the leniency in the world to just do whatever is going to make the team better. Do you see him as a differentiator just as ownership making a difference for an NHL team? 
Yeah, I do. And I think it starts with every good organization. It starts, it starts at, the, at the top with the owner and works their way down. It starts with the owner, the GM, uh, obviously the head coach, the players, the, the star players. And it's just a trickle-down effect. And Vegas has that. And, you know, there's a time throughout their six years that, you know, they sign guys and get rid of them. And, you know, there were some, some people saying that, you know, Vegas isn't treating their players the way they should. Listen, they ha- he wanted to win a Stanley Cup within his first six years. He did it. Uh, the fact that they re-signed Barbashev, uh, and Aiden Hill, to me, they got all six defensemen coming back. He wanted to win. He went out there and didn't. They got it done. So uh, I think owners around the league should should take notice of what Bill did. And as a player or ex-player now, when your ownership gigs in like that, it trickles down to your whole lineup. Chatting with Shane O'Brien of Missing Curfew. So you mentioned the Kachuk kids, but I feel like that's the type of player right now that you would be a fan of. Someone with some grit, with a hell of a lot of skills, some energy, personality. And I think we learned a lot about Matthew Kachuk throughout this playoff run. And he became kind of the face of what was going on there in South Florida. And he was even on some magazines becoming like the face of what <laughs> NHL. He was all over the place. Yeah. So is that the type of player that you gravitate towards now when you're watching and you're, and you're looking at what the, uh, the youngins are doing? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I've got to know Chucky over the, you know, the last couple of years. He's been great to Mystic Curfew. Him, Brady, his, his, his old man, Big Waltz, a beauty. You know, for, for what he does on the ice, I obviously love. I, I would have tried to kill him if I played against him. I told him that. He would have got under my skin, no problem. But you can just tell what they do off the ice. And, and it's just from growing up around their dad in an NHL dressing room. I mean, it's like getting a business degree, right? Like, just, just being around those guys and being around NHL guys. Like, how important he was to that Florida Panthers team off the ice, I think, was just as important on the ice. So, love Matty Kachuk, love Brady. Uh, Ottawa's made some nice moves here. Uh, we'll see what happens with Terrace Ankle, but I, I'd like to see both those kids in the playoffs regularly moving forward. So we had Barry Trotz on yesterday, who you played for yeah. uh, in Nashville. Uh, now, of course, he's the GM of the Nashville Predators. He's on with us, and he's talking about how he's not going to dole out any no-trade protection. He's at the draft trying to make a splash. Uh, first and foremost, did you see your coach at that time ever being you know, a general manager in the future? And what do you think about like the splash he made early, where he wanted to be a big part of what was happening there in Nashville, didn't quite get it done, but it seems like... He's made some tough decisions. He's brought some guys from Toronto in, and that's ruffled some feathers here. But it seems like Barry Trotz not dipping his toes into the water. Yeah, no, I, I love Trotzy. Um, Trotzy was so good to me my year in Nashville. Um, great guy. We used to just come. We like to walk to the back of the plane where the boys were playing cards and just, you know, talk to us and, and stuff like that. He just he just loved being a part of a team. And uh, I give him credit. He went in there, you know, obviously made a tough decision with, with the coaching change. It brings in Burnett, who's a more offensive-minded guy. Uh, trades Johansson to Colorado, like we know, buys out Dutchie, uh, brings in the fact daddy and Luke Shen. Uh, yeah, he's trying to put a stamp on it. And, and for me, you know, and this is what Brad Treliving is going through, right? I think he's done a good job of bringing in guys that he wanted but not panicked. And I think Trotsky's doing the same thing. He's going to put his stamp on it right away, try to make a splash, and he's done that so far. You little su- surprised Ryan O'Reilly went to Nashville. I mean, you, your former teammate with him. He came over to Toronto. We're talking about how all, all the only thing that matters is winning, right? Mm-hmm. And a guy who was going to go chase championships and really wanted to be in Toronto, at least it seemed. Uh, it was just a little surprising for a lot of people in this market that he seemed to take not just the money either because it wasn't like a deal that was over the top. I think he could have got that somewhere else for a team that might be more competitive in the short term. Were you a little surprised that he jumped to that deal? Uh, yes and no. Obviously, Nashville's a great, a perfect fit for the fact that he can bring his guitar there. He can go down on Broadway and play, you know, play his guitar at Tootsie's if he wants to make a little extra money on the side. But, you know, I haven't talked to him. Uh, you talk about weddings and, and being busy. That guy has four kids and he goes to every wedding and he's all over the place. So I, I don't talk to him as much as I used to. But I truly believe that he, he enjoyed his time playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Listen, I grew up, you know, like you guys said, in Port Hope, Ontario. 
my whole career, I, I wish I would have got an opportunity to wear the blue and white and play for that team. At the end of the day, I know he's a big family guy. Uh, I, I think it probably went into his wife, his kids. Um, you know, Tennessee, Nashville is a great place to live. There's a tax purpose, too, that, that, you know, unfortunately is realistic for a pro athlete. You pay so much in tax when you have the opportunity to go to a state like Tennessee. Um, I just think there was so much that weighed into it, but I do believe he loved his time with the Leafs. Yeah, I was just down in Nashville for the draft and uh, the awards, and I can certainly see him fitting in there just right up. And you mentioned Tootsie. I can picture him on that second floor there in the back corner, his yeah. guitar, guitar out. I think he'd fit in. He's got his <laughs> cup ring. He's got his cup ring. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. It's all good. Uh, well, Shane, thanks for jumping on with us this, uh, this afternoon. It's so great to chat with you and get a little uh, recap and uh, maybe check the mailbox when you're in Port Hope this upcoming week and <laughs> see if that invite was there. <laughs> all right, I appreciate it, guys. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. That's Shane O'Brien. Brian from Missing Curfew, former NHLer, Port Hope's very own. Uh, yeah, shout out to Port Hope. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable list of teammates. Yeah, you had. listed off a few. It's I'm like, actually crazy. Wow. It just seemed like every stop there was a group of like future Hall of Famers on those teams, which is uh, which is awesome. Sets you up beautifully, I guess, for a media career. Yeah, he's doing really well. I got the Missing Curf- Curfew pro- podcast, which you can check out uh, wherever you get yours. Um, we have some betting lines that tee up again for tonight uh, with uh, the all-star game going on tonight. It's now time for Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Producer Boffo is joining us right now on the line. How's it going, Boffo? All good, guys. All good. Um, how did the derby go for you yesterday? Julio put on a nice little show. Okay, well, I, I bet on Julio and I thought things were going well for a bit, but I also won some tiny bets, but I didn't win my big bet, which was Julio to win or Julio to, win the to thing, longest yeah. uh, longest home run. So, oh, I, I mean, forgot about that I one. did that one, too. Okay. Uh, I, I had a good night. I mean, yeah, I was all over Julio. Nice. But then I was like, okay, Julio's, when it was live, it was like Julio was right. the major prohibitive favorite. I'm like, I don't think he's going to win that easily. So <laughs> I kind of checked myself and took some winnings from the previous Julio bet to make sure Smart. I profited off Vladdy. It's a pretty good night for me. Smart. Savvy betting there, Justin. I love it. Uh, let's take a look at the total for okay. the All-Star game itself tonight. It's set at over under seven runs. Oh. Yeah, no no half run here. <laughs> Why is that disgusting? I just hate a flat number. <laughs> okay. I don't want to push. Number. It's the All-Star game. No pushes. It's better than a loss. All right. So over under seven, what do you guys think? Over. Oh, okay. You know why? And I have put zero uh, research into that. That's your job. And I'm sure you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, but it's an all-star game. People want to show off. We just watched all these home runs, and it's my birthday, and I want more, and I want fun, and I want to watch lots of runs, and I want to see some you want blue runs Jays. on your birthday. I want lot. I want lots of runs tonight. Okay, in the all-star game. So I'm gonna hit the over. Okay, we got a head-to-head. I'm going under. Uh, I wish so it was. Boring, I wish Justin. it was seven and a half. So it's the, this is what happens at all-star games. All-star games can be a little boring. It can mimic, you know, what happens in you know World Series games where it's mm. a little tightly contested pitching. Great pitching always does, That's always true. wins over great hitting, or at least generally. And I think we have that setting up for ourselves once again. Seven's a really low number. That's right. Boffo, maybe you could throw some stats Give at us, us stats, that, would, that would make me feel better about that. But I'm thinking. Seven and a half, I'll, I'll uh, tease it up a little bit and go National League as a little parlay. You don't get to change the line. I'm not. I'm just. Buffo, what's the history in this? Yeah, Am I on history. the right side here? All right. So since 2000, guys, the total has gone over 11 times 
under seven, Ooh, and it was close. pushed four times. So no pushes so, allowed. So seven is the line that you were for no, all like, All-Star no, games no, no, or like just in general? In, I, I'm just saying seven runs. Just, oh, okay. So it's, it's over. It's over, baby. It's over. But I will say this. Most of the overs came at the start of the millennium from 2000 it's to a different two, game from 2000 to 2005 game. I want all that research i wanted like <laughs> low level research i don't need the numbers yeah. of when it happened i just wanted 11 versus 7 i'm all about trends here hey, wait. more and more unders. did you say 11 and 7 that's 7 11 is today's date oh so that's an omen for me. I don't the know. Over? It's an omen for me. So to you be want right. self serving stats and self serving yes, omens? Yes, I don't want to know about the millennium, okay. whatever those numbers were, Bafo, but I do like that. I'm okay, we'll bet over. coffee tomorrow on, uh, on the over on the under. Okay. Well, Set at seven. All right. Well, that was uh, Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Uh, we'll tee that up a little later. We've got our guy, Jeff Blair, joining us after the break. And then. As we, te- as we said, 6.30, birthday blowout, birthday bonanza. Who's calling in? We don't know. We do know Charles Davis is calling in, though. Yeah, we have one confirmed guest with Charles Davis. We're going to have a couple other guests join us uh, in the 6.30 birthday blowout block. I think that's what we're calling it officially. Okay, I love that a lot. The birthday blowout block. But next up, yes, we got Jeff Blair to discuss what we saw last night. Maybe what's ahead here mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. And then maybe we'll do... Uh, a different segment based on Novak Djokovic. Okay. Who, of course, advanced to the semifinals at Wimbledon today. Mm. I think he might be the most terrifying athlete in the world. That's a good question. Open to the text line, 59590. Most terrifying athletes in the world. Is it Novak Djokovic? And who else is on that list? We will discuss that after we discuss the Blue Jays, Vladdy, the Home Run Derby, everything with Jeff Blair after the, after the break, excuse me, on Fan Drive Time. Drive time, Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert on Force Five Ninety Fan and Sportsnet. Good tunes bumping us in there, little birthday beats. That's uh, that's an undeniable. Like everyone, everyone doesn't matter. Bops their head. Everyone likes that one. And I bet our next guest also loves it. Someone that knows this seat and this time very well. We've been keeping it warm. We had his buddy Kevin Barker on yesterday, checking in to make sure that vibes were good. We will have Jeff Blair joining us shortly as well to make sure vibes are still good in their time slot. Uh, we're going to talk some Blue Jays, talk about uh, what we saw last night with Vladdy with the, the home run jacket now being put back on his shoulders. Maybe that means something for the second half. Uh, but let's chat with Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker. Jeff, we are sitting in your seats. And don't you worry, I will keep it clean. I know you're a sanitary man. You sanitize everything. I've already gone in there and wiped everything for you. So when you come back Friday, it's nice and clean. Listen, it's not you guys I'm worried about. It's the people that precede you. Okay. Ooh. 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 I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, well, are you enjoying sleeping in, by the way? It's it actually such nice. a treat. Isn't it lovely? Like, are you I guys, mean, you always look so refreshed and wonderful. 
yeah. I mean, you went, I mean, at one point you were doing like three jobs, I think. Are you yeah. doing two jobs and then rowing in at, at six? And I, I was I doing that. Do that. That was crazy. Yeah. Right? I know. Yeah, you were crazy. Yeah, I, everyone's, I'm trying to be like Jeff Blair, though. I got to work my way up to the top. So I had to do something uh, to get myself up in there. Um, all right. So last night, obviously, crazy for Blue Jays fans. You get to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. put on that home run jacket with the chain and hoist the trophy. Um, exciting to see a Blue Jay do it, and especially someone with a father-son connection for the first time ever. Yeah, I mean, it's all... Look, I, I will admit when baseball came up with the idea of the home run derby, I thought, oh, God, I mean, this is. But then when I heard some of the other things they were talking about, like throwing accuracy and all this, I thought, well, OK, I just imagine some right fielder throwing his arm out, trying to throw to home plate for the 55th time uh, of the night. So I thought, OK, if they're going to do something, the home run derby is probably the way to go. And I, yeah, I mean, look, it's. It's made for TV. It's kind of schmaltzy. It's glitzy. No one takes it too seriously. And I think it's a great deal of fun. And all you have to do, I think, is uh, is watch the reaction of the players who aren't taking part in the home run derby. I mean, good Lord, I, I've covered Bo Bichette since he was drafted. I think I learned more about him yesterday <laughs> with him handling the microphone than I knew about him than I knew about him all along. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the event and you know, more to the point. Um, I mean, my daughter's not a huge baseball fan. She watches the home run derby and you know, I've got friends who aren't huge baseball fans and they watch the home run derby and you know, you have friendly wagers on who's going to win. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it and it was really cool to see, to see Vladdy win it. I think it's a great sign. Well, I'm glad you came around because I don't think baseball people really know how good they have it because, I mean, it hit off all the boxes for me. Like, I've covered an NHL All-Star game in person and nothing of Mm -hmm. note happens. But just in the Derby alone, you got all the stars that you want participating in the event pretty much for the most part. I mean, those eight competitors... All, all check marks, not slam dunks, but really, really mm-hmm. good. They all perform at a high level. They're all doing things that are like crazy athletic feats. I mean, what Adley Rutschman did, unbelievable. And you got two yeah. guys in the end who are trying to beat each other, mm-hmm. and it means something to them to win. And those are the things you just don't see at other all-star showcases. So I, I think no. this is – it is a big – it's a huge slam dunk for me. I, I think it's, it's easily the best skill showcase that you can get across sport. Yeah, without question. I mean, the the only thing I would like to see baseball consider, and I've talked about this, and I know that uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, I know that they thought about this, um, gosh, I want to say three or four years ago, was trying to figure out a way to make a bigger deal out of the Futures game, which is, like, I mean, the, the Futures game. First of all, everybody loves prospects. You've got the best prospects in the game. And these guys take it seriously. Like they, it is, you know, you'll see guys sliding into second base to take dudes out and all that. These guys take it really seriously. And I kind of thought it would be cool to somehow marry the futures game with the all-star or with the home run derby. You know, you've got a pitching change every inning in the futures game anyhow. So I thought, why not play the game? Then it, then the first inning, you know, have or after the after the first three innings, have the first round of the home run derby. I mean, you know, once I had someone explain to me the actual logistics of it, I realized it was a crazy idea. But it it was the it, it was the kind of thing that I originally thought might have some some legs. But then you know what? I mean, the ratings for the home run derby are great, so 
why tinker with it? You know, why not, why not leave it uh, the way it is? You know, maybe the answer, as several people have pointed out, is play the Futures game right before the home run derby. Have it start at 5 o'clock, then have the home run derby take over at 8 o'clock. I mean, however you want to do it. But, um, yeah, it's, look, it's pretty hard, to, pretty hard to argue against it right now. And, and what I kind of like about it is it seems as if in the past three or four years, you're starting to see players become even more demonstrative in the game or in the home run derby. And, you know, I really, I really like that. It's kind of cool. Like everybody knows how good Adley Rushman was. We all know about him, but you got a little glimpse of his personality, right? By the way he approached that thing. And yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's one of those things where there's no, there's really no bad storyline, right? I mean, I guess the one I covered the all-star game in Detroit where poor Jason Bay was in it. And Detroit was, it was the worst place to hold a home run derby. And I think Jason Bay hit one, and, and it just, like, creeped out. It creeped out. And, you know, and, but I also know that after that, you started to see baseball go to the loaded balls, right? The, the home run, the home run, uh, the home run happy balls, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, okay, so the storyline worked great last night, but I guess the big question is, and we're, we're pondering it as well, is like, what's, what's this mean for Vladdy? Is there a boost of confidence? Is there something unlocked? And maybe that's glamorizing it a bit, but at least the idea that he won, he achieved something, he's got that as a power hitter forever. He was the home run derby champ, same with his dad. There's got to be some trickle effect, you think? I mean, you know what? I look, when, when, when it was announced that he was going to take part, I mean, the, the, there is this thing, out there, right? That the home run derby can mess up, can mess up swings, can put you in a funk. And you know, I I look back at 2019 when Vladdy won the home run derby, and his home runs per plate appearance fell pretty dramatically in the mm-hmm. second half. But his batting average spiked, his slugging percentage spiked. Um, Matt Chapman also took part in uh, that home run derby in 2019. His batting average cratered in the second half, but that's kind of Matt Chapman, right? So I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him. Uh, I don't know if it's going to mean that he's going to go on a roll now. I, I kind of think he was starting to show signs of that before the All-Star break, but I just don't think, I don't think there's anything bad with a dude having fun especially given the type of year it's been for Vladdy and how frustrated he's seen at times. I think if, if Vladdy feels good, Vladdy is, is, is probably going to have a better second half. If he stays healthy, he's going to have a better second half. I don't know how much fun John Schneider was having at least during the competition because it felt like it was a major sigh of relief for him after. And I, I think that's one thing we undersold was like the liability, for lack of a better term, that he was taking on there because we saw pitchers actually fail the contestants in the home run derby last night. Oh, yeah. John Schneider was putting them in the right spot. And we don't see many managers do that. So he could have been a part of the storyline negatively. Now I guess it is positive, but like it is more so Vlad. But I think John Schneider deserves credit for putting himself out there last night. Does he not? Yeah, I don't know if he was telling me the truth or not, but he claims that he pitched to he, when he pitched to Vladdy Jr. in 2019 that it paid for the down payment on his house. Because uh, Vlad, Vladdy was very uh, was very generous. I mean, you got John Schneider's throwing thrown batting practice to Vladdy since Vladdy was what twenty. 
Um, and he still does, right? John Schneider, you're right, is one of the few managers who throws batting practice. And I don't know who's in the group with Vladdy. I want to say Springer's in it as well. I think there's three or four hitters that, um, that John Schneider will throw BP to. So, you know, he's well. And, and the thing with, thing with John, John's a young man. He's a big dude. He's a horse. He's not going to wear down. And, you know, he's done it before. So, um, yeah, but it is, I mean, there's an art to it, right? We think back to Dave Jouse, who uh, threw, B, threw uh, BP to Pete Alonso last, uh, was it last year. Dave Jouse is a longtime baseball man, scout, manager, um, and he's just, and he's a freaking machine. He is known as a BP machine. Like, you can literally, if he has a baseball in his hand, he's going to throw a great BP. And he just spoon-fed Alonso. So, uh, the same thing with John Schneider. Okay, so we see Vladdy at post game. He's talking to our Hazel May, and he, and she asks him who the FaceTime was, and it was Teoscar Hernandez. Now, did that pull on the heartstrings a little bit? The idea that those two are still chatting, calling midway through a competition with a million dollars on the line, a guy that looked good in the blue and white here in Canada, and people are just saying that maybe the Blue Jays could, you know, circle back on him this time around at the trade deadline. Uh, God, I, I mean, no, I don't think they'll circle around to Teoscar. Having said that, Boo. you know, Teoscar, having said <laughs> that, Teoscar, you know, they, they haven't adequately replaced him in the middle of the order. And unfortunately, the Seattle Mariners are also in a playoff race. And I don't know if Seattle would necessarily uh, would necessarily want to move him. And you certainly wouldn't get anything in return because he's eligible to be free agent. And I mean, I can tell you that the Jays and him didn't have any serious talks about a, a contract extension when he was here. So now that ship is sailed. But what will be interesting is when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. comes into town on Friday. And I'm sure at some point, some enterprising reporter is going to start wondering whether or not it might be time to see a return of the home run jacket. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. But he did I, look good look, in it last night. Jeff. He did. He did. He did. And, you know, I got listen. Joey Votto can put a Viking helmet and a fur, you know, yeah. a, a fur shawl on. I, just about anybody can do anything. I never got I never got worked up with the home run jacket. I didn't necessarily like the manager getting involved in it. I thought that was kind of chintzy. But yeah, do what you want to do in the dugout, man. As long, as long as you're not showing up the other team, I I don't care. Hey, you if you're, if you're going to have a home run jacket, one that's earned with your slugger and your manager on a big stage, I think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe the home run jacket can stay uh, just the, you know, the home run derby king home run jacket mm. stays. Uh, okay, so no Blue Jays in the starting lineup tonight for the American League. Uh, what should we expect from the four that are in Seattle? Uh, is it, you know, the American League trying to close things up and Jordan Romano's out there with a bunch of Blue Jays in the field? What are you expecting from the Blue Jays tonight? Yeah, I don't know how they're necessarily going to play this. You know, I mean, there might be a thought that because Vladdy did take so many swings yesterday, maybe he's he's not going to get uh, as many at-bats as he normally would in an All-Star game. I don't know. I tend to think that, um, I, I tend to think that, that you will see the managers, you, you know, you'll see Dusty try to get everybody in. Um, if possible. I mean, one thing you know about Dusty is he's a player's manager. And, you know, if you know anything at all about Dusty, you know that in his career, he had to put up with, a, you know, several times in his career, put up with slights from different people. So I think Dusty will make sure that uh, that everybody that everybody gets into the game. 
And um, it wouldn't surprise me, frankly, to see to see uh, Whit Merrifield maybe be the guy that you know just gets a pinch hit appearance. I mean, the thing with Mitt though is he or with Whit is he can play a thousand different positions, so it's entirely possible that he'll finish the game in the outfield. But I think they they would all see action, and and um, my guess is Jordan Romano has a real good shot at closing things out in the game. Oh, that'd, that'd be awesome. Uh, we're chatting with Jeff, uh, Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker. We did talk to Barker yesterday. We got you on today. We just want to catch, uh, finally, before we let you go, just your Alec Manoa thoughts from Friday night. Uh, since you guys haven't been on since, I want to know uh, just uh, how you thought it went and if that was a good enough starting step forward for what might come. Yeah, I mean, it was great because as far as I'm concerned, Alec Manoa is basically the fifth starter in this team right now. And that was kind of that was actually better than you'd probably expect from your fifth starter. Um, I like the fact he threw so many first pitch strikes. Wasn't thrilled with the fact that he didn't get a lot of called strikes on his fastball, which is kind of concerning. Um, You know, the first inning, it took him a while to finish off Spencer Torkelson. I think it took him six pitches after he was 0-2 on him and, you know, that's the thing he has to do. He has to be able to finish guys off. He can't afford to have eight, nine, ten pitch at bats uh, against guys. But, yeah, I mean, if if he's going to give me five and two-thirds or five and a third as my number five starter, I, I'll make it work. I have no problem with that at all. And I think with that coupled with the fact that Hyunjin Ryu is coming back, I think is going to be crucial for this team because – it, it's pretty obvious that Kevin Gossman and Chris Bassett need, they need as many extra days as you can possibly bake into their turn in the rotation. If the Jays can go to a six man rotation, I think that's going to save wear and tear on those arms. And um, yeah, I, I, again, as long as we don't expect Alec Manoa to look like the guy he looked in the middle of last season, I think, I think we'll be fine. I think that's a great perspective, Jeff. I appreciate you jumping on with us. Enjoy the next couple of days. Enjoy tonight's All-Star Game, and we'll see you on Friday in the studio, in the clean studio. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have fun. Thanks so much. That's Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker, of course, and they'll be back Friday. And the Blue Jays are back in action, and Justin and I will be from 3 to 5 on that day. Yes, we will. Uh, before we get to Novak Djokovic and Wimbledon and the list of terrifying athletes we have, uh, Global Jam returns to Toronto tomorrow as Sportsnet and Canada Basketball are once again teaming up to bring you a world-class international basketball showcase. Global Jam is an under-23 basketball tournament featuring women's and men's teams from around the world will take place on the court at Toronto's Mattamy Athletic Centre, the house that Ailish built on July 12th to 16th to help celebrate the kickoff for Global Jam, we got a pair of tickets to give away to our listeners for both gold medal games. To enter for a chance to win these tickets, text today's code word Team USA, Team USA to 590-590. Again, that's Team USA to 590-590. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Team Canada at Global Jam in this international showcase. Grab your tickets today at Ticketmaster.com. Well done. Thank you. Okay, so I'm watching Wimbledon today. Novak Djokovic. Big upset. In, in the, the quarterfinal. And, and that's part of my point here. Mm-hmm. Because the same cannot be said on the women's side right now on the men's side. Novak Djokovic against Andre Rublev. 4-6-6-1-6-4-6-3 victory to reach the semifinal. Ties the record with his 46th Grand Slam semifinal. And I'm thinking to myself, for a variety of reasons, watching this guy who just is clearly the most dominant 
in the sport of tennis, mm. in maybe across sport, that he is the guy you at least want to see on the schedule in front of you. Terrifying yeah. in that way. So not terrifying like, say, Derrick Henry coming through the line and running mm-hmm. over you at the middle linebacker position, but like you wake up, you see the results, and you're like, damn, I got Djokovic on Sunday. That must be the worst feeling because not only is it, okay, I'm facing maybe the best men's tennis player of all time, but it's like three hours <laughs> of torture torture chamber right like it is a long drawn out process Mm -hmm. there's no hiding behind a helmet there's no hiding behind a teammate it is you and him and more often than not he is just going to ragdoll you over the course of two hours and the other thing that he does he starts slow i don't know if he gives you like a window of optimism but he started slow again today he lost the first set you might have a chance you get your hopes exactly and it might be anecdotal but it seems like he does that all the time and i just think he just draws out the pain so for me, I think the most terrifying athlete in sports right now is Novak Djokovic. Not Kevin Gosman? <laughs> Not in the slightest. I'm just kidding. Not in, maybe you're the, I was going to say maybe you're the Detroit Tigers, then you get, but he lost to the Detroit Tigers um, Okay, so Saturday. I thought in a similar vein, and maybe it's, it's a, well, she's since retired, but I think Serena Williams would have been, for me, the most terrifying name to see on a schedule. Oh, yeah. Head-to-head, you see Serena Williams, it's the same type of thing. The power, the on-court finesse just the way that she holds herself her presence is terrifying and she would absolutely dominate in any type of physical uh, endeavor against myself so serena williams <laughs> would have been yourself. myself yes yeah, uh, uh, yeah. i mean uh, she did it maybe more so than novak probably mm-hmm. like i think you could say the exact same thing yeah but in terms of present athletes i actually think it was difficult to to pinpoint these athletes mm-hmm. and i'm glad you came up with someone who's not competing right now because i think it is a hard exercise i will say not for you because you haven't had this this experience I think Connor McDavid's next. Okay. Because if you're doing a one-on-one yeah. with Connor McDavid, I'm not sure there's anything that's more terrifying. That's when you go for a line change. Exactly. I mean, right. you're scrambling to get off. Part of that is your coach. Like, you can't have, no offense to Shane O'Brien, but we can't have the Shane O'Brien-Tyson <laughs> Berry pairing out there against Connor McDavid. Like, you need the strong skating, Kale mm-hmm. McCarr type to even have a chance in a one-on-one against Connor McDavid. So him steaming down on you is Derrick Henry-like terrifying. Is there anyone else, though? Because I'm looking across, like, okay, NFL, is there anyone terrifying? Marie-Philippe Poulin. Okay. You don't believe it? Terrifying. You need the context. Gold okay. medal game. Because well, you might know the result before. When something's of importance on the line, mm-hmm. just her ability to do something unexpected for many, but expected for her. Like, it is, she will be the one that delivers the gold medal moment, the game-winning goal the tying goal. Like it is inevitable that she is going to be clutch in any way, shape or form. So she her, also does it with like the smile on her face with like little ferocity. Well, then right? I would say on the flip side, actually the one I wrote here was Hillary Knight. I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. Barreling down, apply? you're going into the corner against her, which I have done many times. It is frightening. Mm. It is terrifying. Yeah. Why is it terrifying? Because she's full of energy and she's a physical body. Like she's not easy to just like, I'm going to like get around you and lift her stick. She's a terrifying person to play against. Um, yeah, and she's on Team USA. So I'm going to project 10 days from now because Leo Messi makes his MLS debut. Oh, that's good Not actually him. MLS. He makes his Miami debut uh, in 10 days. I think MLS defenders are going to feel oh, like Novak Djokovic world. is in front of them yeah. with Leo Messi handling the ball. Like, I don't know exactly how it's going to look like. Is it going to be like semi-retirement for Leo? Is it going to be... I hope not. Is it going to be and Champions League will. level? I think he'll give it a good go for the first I think bit. so too, but I think he'll soon realize that I could be about 85% and it's... 
I thought you were going to say he could be 85 because he probably could still be 85. <laughs> probably be 85. Okay. Through, how about Zidane O'Chara? Yeah. You want to get boxed out in front of the net by Zidane O'Chara? Well, when he's, got, when he's angry, when Zidane was <laughs> angry, it was legit terrifying. terrifying. And if he just decided to drop the mitts with anyone, I mean, it is pure punishment. You're a UFC fighter guy. There isn't anyone. Really? It, like, Habib used to be that guy. Because I was trying to think, But okay, you want to fight who, anybody right who, now. Hear that first? No, Justin but said who, he can who, take anybody who down. Who could do five rounds of punishment now? Like, there are guys out there. But the greatest UFC fighter on the planet uh, is Alexander Volkanovsky. We just saw him a couple nights ago. And, yeah, I mean, he knocked out his opponent, uh, which is, I, I guess it was a TKO. But mm-hmm. he doesn't dole out, like, the five minutes of pure punishment like Habib once did. I think John Jones maybe was that, but my like combat sports uh, suggestion would be Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury is going to box the former UFC heavyweight champ, mm-hmm. France, Francis Naganu soon. That could be like Djokovic style, where it's just like he's completely outmatched by the greatest heavyweight boxer in the world, who's Tyson Fury. But it just not, it's not like what it once was. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's someone who's like a complete boogeyman in combat sports right now. And I think that's obviously a problem. We just got tagged in uh, Sunday Tiger in his prime from Mike. 100%. You see him coming up the red. It's over. It's done. Yeah, you're in a final round. You're like, yeah, it's- not even a major. It's just a final ma- round playing with Tiger. And it's like, I, I want to put my best effort out there today, but I'm playing against Tiger, Tiger and he's wearing red. Like, it's going to be an issue. What about R- R- Ronda Rousey? She was definitely that before, but you lose your, you lose even like Tiger, like you lose your luster now. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think guys are intimidated playing with Tiger now. Well, like, Tiger doesn't play Tiger obviously doesn't play. not all that Tiger's much anymore, but Tiger has played tournaments in the last decade. And I think it's more like, oh, it's cool. I'm playing with Tiger. Not, oh my God, I'm playing with Tiger. Nick Kiprios. <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't had, we've never had Kipper in studio. I feel like I'd think I'd feel a he would tower over you. Studio. He'd go to shake your hand, Justin, and crush it. That's why I have so With much respect ring, for Justin Bourne. His cup ring would crush into your flesh yeah. when he shook your hand. It would be an issue. He'd be intimidating. Julio Rodriguez first round is terrifying. You're Pete Alonso next year. You draw Julio. Saying, do you think Pete Alonso's going to compete next year? Like, does he need to like figure out that he's I mean, never going to beat Julio? He still Rodriguez? did well, but it was like, oh, the guy just hit 41 home it runs. It's sad, I think right? I'm, he's I, probably like, I, I did what I could do. <laughs> Who knew this guy's going to hit 41 home runs? Yeah, it's his thing. It's like the. It's like yeah, I've been preparing all year for this. He comes out and 41 home runs for Julio. <laughs> it's like I guess the thing that I take the most pride in is not going to work out in my favor this year. Someone I'm the opposite of terrified of, just overjoyed to be speaking with, is going to join us next. It was my birthday wish to talk to Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, our friend of the fan morning show who comes on every Friday during the season. He's obviously enjoying his own break and his vacation, but he's coming out of wherever he is to speak with us next. And I'm very pleased. I'm very happy. Thanks for getting him. And then apparently there's other people and it's a surprise. So Justin worked very hard with my, uh, with Bafo, a producer today, to get some other people for the birthday blowout block. block. And that is next on Fan Drive Time with Justin and Ailish on Sportsnet, 590 The Fan and Sportsnet. on fan drive time the birthday blowout block is upon us just a reminder MLB all-star games on sports tonight Woo! 
coverage starts at 7.30. Definitely tune in for Blue Jays in action, of course. Uh, we did promise, though, guests for Ailish. We also promised some sports content in this block. So the perfect person to bring on is our next guest, Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS. Good morning, CD. Good morning. I did it again. Good afternoon, CD. <laughs> I did it again. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Ailish is very excited. Well, thank you, Justin. And listen, muscle memory. It's tough, right? I know. Happy birthday, Ailish. Thank you, Charles. I wanted one thing for my birthday, and it was to hear that sentence. And I appreciate it very (laughs) much. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sure you're hearing it from many, many, many different sources. Hope you're having a great time. And uh, this is what happens when we become adults. We have to work on our birthday, right? Yeah, and I'm totally okay with that. Part of the deal. Yeah, it's totally it's sweet. Not a bad way. No, it's you know, uh, in our biz- in our business. Working on our birthday usually means something good. It means you're at an event. It means you're you know you're you're watching something. Even if you're working, it's something that you love. So we're pretty fortunate that way. And you have a November birthday, so you've definitely worked on some of your birthdays. Wikipedia oh, yeah. has yeah. it real quick. I know. I know exactly what it is. We will call you on your birthday. How about that? <laughs> Uh, that sounds great to me. That'd be a terrific birthday call. I'm greatly appreciated. How have you two been? And afternoon, is that just this week or, or is this a permanent thing? What's going on? No, just two weeks, just two weeks. A little load management, I think mm-hmm. they're calling it. Summer load management. Okay. We're on TV up in here in Toronto. It's a, it's a great time. We're uh, definitely appreciative of getting a little sleep in. And, of mm-hmm. course, talking to you today. I love that. So you're doing the TV thing. Does it make you think differently about dressing for the day? Do you, do you, you know, does it, does it stay in your head or have you forgotten the cameras are there now? Justin got a haircut and a full new wardrobe. I swear to you, I'm not lying uh, for the, <laughs> for the next couple of days. And I'm sorry, I'm putting you on blast, but you did, Justin. I didn't. I got a haircut. I mean, you I do had get, a different I shirt on yesterday. Haircuts. I haven't seen before. I, I, the, no? what I wore yesterday is what was on our promotional shoot for our podcast. So you cannot say that. That's anyway, a lie. He looked, we, we look a little bit like dressed up. Charles is not, we're not on like TV, TV like you, but we are on. On, you know, TV enough that we, we wanted to have people know what we look like and not in our hoodies every morning at 5 a.m. So we're doing well. well. I, I did. I certainly did not mean to start a conflict here. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be only vibes yeah, with Charles, good. but uh, we're at each other's right. throats. If, so- if, if I were in there with you guys and knew that there was a TV there, I'm sure I would probably have a full wardrobe and want to change for different sections of the whole thing like i'm doing you know a a, a concert or something like that be like mm. a taylor swift and change for the different uh, parts of it so i'm kind of surprised ailish hasn't uh pulled that off uh just yet but it is the week's not over the week is only just beginning and she's right this is <laughs> a new shirt okay so what do you uh get up to in the summer charles like what is downtime what is recreation what is cd up to this summer i i go into low ebb you know, I, I try to, what was the great line in, in Wedding Crashers? I'm going to choose not to eat with you. I just want to get myself back to neutral, <laughs> and then we'll discuss things later. So that's kind of where I am in the summertime. I try to do a lot of reading, that I, you know, things that I want to read, fiction, a lot of fiction during that time. Although I did read a little nonfiction that, that got my attention. I have one that I'm reading right now called Indistractable that I'm trying to learn and gain some things from. But a lot of it is just trying to, Marshal my forces again before we go at it one more time. And I mean, what the bills go to camp? What a week from now? Yes. So <laughs> I, I saw that this morning. And look, we're all in the business. We kind of know the dates. We know it's happening. 
But I'm telling you, I went into workout and the TV was showing teams going into camp early, and I saw the Bills, and I have to admit, it rocked me. I said, what, a week? Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, it still feels like a three three week thing away, and here we are, the Bills going into camp. So, you know, it's almost time. And let's be honest about it. Anyone who hears our voices, they're they're waiting for me to go. Oh my God, I don't know. I'm not ready, and want to put me on blast. <laughs> We understand how lucky we are. Yeah, let, let's let it roll. Let's do this thing. Yeah, it's come up real quick. Um, it's exciting. I mean, we'll get to chat with you weekly, hopefully again this time around. But I know you take a little bit of load management yourself uh, during the summer. But, I mean, there have been storylines happening throughout the NFL. Is there something that kept yeah. your attention a little bit while you had a book uh, open, but you also thought, I'm going to check up on this intriguing storyline that's going on this summer in the NFL? Well, I think that for for the most part, the summer storylines are very simply, please don't let anyone get into major trouble from the time we end OTAs until we start camp, right? That's every GM, owner, that's their prayer, right? (laughs) Please, nothing major. Of course, the end of OTAs for the Bills caused a little bit of, you know, (laughs) bounce. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, it doesn't totally go away. I thought Josh Allen did a great job being the quarterback, being the leader, being the face, jumping in and saying, you know, all's well, we're good. And then, of course, doing the tried and true, blame it on the media, smart play on his part, get it off of us, put it on, I mean, off of my teammates, put it on them. And then it breaks later that Sean McDermott asked Diggs to leave. So, of course, now it starts anew. But it doesn't really feel like it has a lot of legs. I think it feels like it's much more, we don't have anything else to talk about. Let's talk about this. I think everybody who's involved and even not involved who's just part of the NFL, we're all just like, all right, let's just get to camp and see what happens then. This this isn't really interesting us right now. I think all of us are trying to assess the league and figure out which playoff teams from last year won't be playoff teams this year and who will replace them. I think my most intriguing team right now, which probably isn't striking a lot of people, is Cleveland. Because I really am eager to see them now at full force and with a few changes that they made. All right? Doesn't matter what you think about Deshaun Watson. He's going to play quarterback for them again this year, and now he's going to play for them from game one. There's no 11-game suspension where their season was done before we ever put the ball on the tee and kicked it off. And, oh, by the way, we're still kicking off, but (laughs) those years may be limited, right? We're we're seeing what's happening with the special teams. But now he has the ball and he's had the offseason. They've made, you know, some additions, some changes. Jim Schwartz is going to run their defense. And that's a very intriguing story to me in a really loaded division because Pittsburgh's never finished last in that division since it's become the AFC North. And a lot of people predicting – Pittsburgh to actually finish fourth. I never do that. Not with Mike Tomlin there. So this is going to be fun to watch because we know about Cincinnati. Baltimore got Lamar signed. You get the idea. The, the storylines are pretty simple across the board. And, of course, we're just waiting for Hard Knocks to announce that the Jets are going to be the team. I hope so. That's dragging their, they're dragging their feet on that, I, I just, are they not? I just don't think, do you guys see who else it could they're be? They're trying like, to get the Lions again. Th- Poor Lions. Poor Lions, they're opening the NFL season. I know, they, that's the, the bump. The Lions, are, the Lions are great theater. I thought I thoroughly enjoyed them last year. What I worry about is going back to the well so fast with this team. Have you ever, you 
guys have been to a bunch of events, a bunch of sporting events and the whole deal. I remember one night I went to one in Orlando, the Magic were playing. And this little kid, he probably was about five, six years old max. The camera hit him, and he started dancing. And he danced like nobody's business, right, and got a major reaction from the crowd. Like, whoa. Because you know how it is, right? What they say, you never follow a kid or an animal act, right? So, so this kid gets this huge reaction, right? I remember sitting there with the people I was with, and I said, I hope they don't come back to that kid. Because that's the type of thing you got to leave on the roar, right? Because mm-hmm. the people have reacted. It's great. It's wonderful. But they come back to him, it won't be the same. And everybody looked at him like I was crazy. They came back to him like in the third quarter. And the crowd was like, yeah, uh... we saw it. We got it, kid. That's kind of how I feel about the Lions right now. <laughs> Don't come back to them here, too. We're uh... good. They, they are a hunter. They are the team now to be hunted, not a hunter. Mm. Things that were amusing before now will be more serious. Don't come back to the Lions. I just feel like out of the four, because there's four teams that ha- can't say no, right? Yeah. I just don't see how they can't come back to the Jets because there's no way the league's going to do Washington. There's just no way. Like the league's like, uh, no, <laughs> we're not doing Washington. Yeah. Sorry, not uh, happening. Ch- Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS with us. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Detroit looks like when they are the hunted. Uh, I'm not sure they're ready for that. A um, couple quarterbacks. Uh, we'll see if they're ready for the NFL. I think we talked to you last before the draft, so now we know where all those rookie quarterbacks are going. Hendon yeah. Hooker of Tennessee included, Charles. Uh, which rookie <laughs> yeah. quarterback do you have the most faith in having a really, really good debut season? The one that I liked the best coming out of school, which was Bryce Young. And mm. everything screams, be careful, right? I was a big lost in space kid when I was younger. Danger, danger, Will Robinson, which I think was said once in the entire run of the series, but it became the catchphrase. And I actually just bought the little robot, by the way. <laughs> I'm so fired up. I got the robot on my desk. Oh. It lights up and talks. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm five years old again. But anyway... The reason that, that I like him so much is I just think he has a maturity about him. He has an efficiency about him. And if you examine what Carolina did in free agency and the draft, as well as what they were bringing back in a wide-open NFC South, he doesn't have to be spectacular, I don't think. He has to be good and efficient. And if he is, he has pieces around him that gives Carolina hope. Now, I think in the South, you can make the case for all four teams winning that division. That's how weird a division it is. But right now I'm rolling with Carolina, and he's my pick for, for what you're asking, Justin. My most intriguing one is very simply Anthony Richardson, because no matter what happens, they're going to force feed him playing. I mean, Jim Irsay, the owner, just doubled down on it, what, two days ago, a day ago? Mm. Where, yeah, we know it'll be difficult, but he's got to play. And you have a rookie coach in Shane Steichen who, whatever your plans are, if your owner just issued a proclamation that your rookie quarterback has to play, guess what you're going to be doing? Finding a way to get him on the field. So it's going to be intriguing to watch him in Indianapolis, that's for sure. And I'm not overlooking C.J. Stroud, but those two catch my eye more. And Hendon Hooker, I don't expect to play at all if everything goes right for Detroit. 
Well, Charles, we'll save the rest of our discussion until we get you back in a couple of weeks, uh, slash maybe a month or two until the season starts. But we appreciate you coming on. And for my birthday, it was my big wish, and you fulfilled it. So, so great to chat. So good to hear your voice and enjoy the rest of this uh, time off. Get your reading in, and we'll chat in a, in a little bit. All right. I look forward to it. Happy birthday again. Thanks, Last question you two going to Bill's training camp. Uh, if I can get my way there, I'll be there, Charles. We'll discuss. All right. All right. Let me know. <laughs> I might right. have to make my way in. Okay. Thanks, Charles. Great Bye to guys. chat. That's Charles Davis, NFL and CBS. Uh, that meeting needs to happen, as we know. Okay. The birthday blow-up block continues. Let's bring in... Who's next? Ailish's former teammate at Dartmouth and bestie, Laura Stacy and fiance, Marie-Philippe Poulin. Good morning, Olympians. Good morning. I did it again. Good afternoon, Olympians. Bonjour. Bonjour. Happy birthday. Oh, my God. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you. This is so funny. It's the first time Laura's ever come on our radio show. I How long know, have we been doing this? Birthday. Yeah, well, That's I appreciate We usually get Marie, and then, you know, she's too big we of a We usually deal, get Marie. You know, that is a Marie. humble brag. Yeah, it's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah. Thanks, guys. How are you? Here. Good to chat. Yeah, we heard that uh, it was your birthday wish to have Charles on, so we hope we're at least number wish number two. You were, yes. It's <laughs> honestly, it's like a one A slash one B. Like, there's no uh, don't don't take it personally. But I will see you guys in a month or two. We're going to PEI, and we're we're going to be there for a wedding as well. And I know you guys are doing some of that planning yourselves. Um, I know it's been a very fun time for you guys. But I guess we could ask you. I'm going to interview you now. Just how exciting the last little bit has been with everything happening in the women's hockey world and with the new league being announced and, and obviously pending a lot of details. I don't know if you can tell us them all for sure, but just the excitement and the hard work that you guys have put in because I know for sure behind the scenes what it takes to to really fulfill this goal that you've had for the last couple of years. Yeah, I think obviously it's been a pretty long wait the last four years uh, and we've been sitting out for that exact reason and I think we were we were really surprised and shocked, and I think anytime you sit out for a really long time, no matter what the results are, I think you're going to be excited and um, and shocked about it. And I think that's exactly what happened. I, I think uh, hopefully it's going to be an amazing move for women's hockey and women's sports in general. And I think that's uh, sometimes when change happens, uh, there's a little bit of an initial growing pains, but uh, that that's kind of what has to happen to move forward and, and to move the needle forward. And I, I think that's what we're all really excited to see. So we're obviously really excited. I mean, we're talking about, is it going to be expansion draft? How are they going to make these teams? Where are these teams going? But I mean, we got to ask you guys, like, do you guys like plan to be teammates? Maybe enemies across, across like, uh, like a little rivalry there? Like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if you guys can play, like, I don't know if Marie Philippe Blaine can play anywhere, but Montreal, I don't even know if Montreal is going to be a team for sure yet. But when you think about this, putting together all these teams, there's lots of storylines. Is there anything you can tell us when it comes to these team building exercises? And are you guys okay with maybe not being on the same team? <laughs> For sure. Okay. I think that's the, the excitement about this happening. It's a professionalism that's going to be happening uh, in January. Uh, we, we don't know exactly all the markets yet, but uh, it's exciting. I think everybody is aware of uh what can happen? Uh, it's going to be a draft. Uh, obviously, they they might have some protected player. We don't know yet, but uh, we'll go from there, and uh, we'll be exciting. But uh, it's not a big thing for us if we play against each other. I think uh, it's always fun when we when we do that. 
I want to see that. I, I don't know who I'm supposed to cheer for. I mean, I got loyal, loyal uh, roots with Laura, but I mean, it's Marie. And I don't want to upset Marie, right? It's like, it's Marie. I mean, it's Marie. like all hail Marie. I, I will have to get one of those split jerseys. Would you guys be okay with that? I've got like a split jersey, one half, the other half, you guys. Is that... We would love to see that okay. on you. You know what? You know my mom's crafty. She could sew one of those up. For sure she can. There you go. Yeah, I, I I don't know how how many more minutes we're supposed to keep them for. You planned this block. Oh uh, no, I mean I, the flo- the floor was yours. We still got them for a little bit. Okay. I kind of I want to know how the wedding planning's going. Of course, you guys <laughs> uh, announced an engagement on Instagram. I don't know if uh, Alish doesn't want to yeah. ask you about it, but I want to ask you about. It. I want to know how the wedding planning is going between you two. <laughs> Alish doesn't want to ask because she knew when it blew up on Instagram we were a quite. Uh, but no, I think uh, honestly we we've just been kind of enjoying the moment a little. We're obviously looking into it and, and trying to figure out a couple of things, and I think we're we're trying to look somewhere next summer. But to be honest, we're uh, we're we're not the best planners, I would say. So yeah, we're, I know we're that. Taking, <laughs> so we're kind of just taking it slow, enjoying it, and and, and gonna see what what shakes out from it. But uh, we're pretty excited about it, and I think it obviously blew up a little bit on social media more than we were expected. But I think once you step away from that and uh, it, it is it is a pretty fun time in our life, so we're pretty lucky for sure. Do you think you'll have a way to get Arlo involved in the wedding? That's their dog. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe like a, we'll, like we'll, a flower we'll boy? That would be pretty good, but I don't know if he can handle that much attention. Come on. I'm full of free ideas. Like, I could help with the planning. Arlo, <laughs> ring bearer, flower guy. Maybe be onto something. Can bring my bike. Yeah, he can do, do something that. for sure. I don't know. He might be stopping at every aisle, giving kisses out to everybody. But we can make something work. I'm sure. Are you, something. are you guys dreading like putting together a guest list? Because I mean, oh yeah, talk about hockey footprints. You two, there's got to be so many people. I mean, like you could do like no no limit on the guest list. But I'm sure there's going to be some difficult decisions being made. Mm-hmm. We we started looking at the list a little bit. It's going to be hard to to put together. Uh, We still don't know if Ailey is going to make it, but uh, we're working on it. Okay, so I got... We're working on creating space for Ailey. It's tough, I know. I I don't know if she can handle not going, so just uh, that's the the important context, I think. So Ailey has given her scouting report on her Mm. many times on the fan morning show, and this is fan drive time. I'm not going to say morning again, I promise. But we need, like, the actual scouting report from Laura. What was she like at Dartmouth? What kind of player was she? She downplays it a bit, but other times she's bragging. Like, what was Ailish Forfar, number 27, Ooh. the player oh God, the at pressure. Dartmouth? Ailish Forfar, number 27, definitely, a, I would say, a dynamic, uh, I would say, goal-scoring and playmaking uh, forward. She's trying to get a good yeah. wedding gift. This is it. <laughs> No, but seriously, Ailish, she, she had to sit out here, and no matter what she, when, whenever she stepped on the ice, just the way she saw the game, uh, the passes she made, like plenty of goal score, goals scored herself. But I just thought the way she saw the game, both defensively and offensively, offensively, always stood out to me as as one of her teammates and the the plays that she could make. I mean, obviously she had way better hands than I did, but just are the you plays kidding me? Hang up on this hands. girl. <laughs> Well, I will say, you did just see me score a hat trick at your uh, charity yeah. road hockey tournament. So she's jaded because she just saw me light up the Pro V Pro tournament. So I just will say she she's remembering incorrectly. But Where'd that yeah, come from? Yeah, she, she still got it. You yeah, know? I still got it. I might be trying out for this new league. How about that? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in for it. But 
29 years old, still got it. Yeah, so. there you go. There you go. Hey, don't put my my age on blast. I, I was thinking of trying to find a way to submit her name into the player pool, but I, I don't know if she. You could uh, talk to them. I don't know if she'd let me do that. <laughs> anyway, let's yeah, let them... We're here to talk to. Okay, so we appreciate you both coming yeah. on. Uh, of course, guys. this is the birthday blowout block, and it would not be the same without you two, of appreciate course. So it, thanks guys. for coming on. Bon fight, Je t'aime. Merci. I'll see you in a couple weeks in PEI. Yeah, you will. Bye, guys. guys. Laura Stacy and Marie Philippe Land. Awesome. That was a good scouting report from you. Yeah, I paid her to say that for sure. I'm not sure if we have our next. We got one more guest here on Fan Drive Time. They have about I think we're still trying to connect. It's going to be a short one because we're off the air in about four minutes. I have no idea who it could be. But we're still working on it This has been really sweet. I appreciate it. Oh, we got a thumbs up. And we've got our next guest. I have no idea. J.D. Bunkus of the J.D. No Bunkus way! podcast. <laughs> for, for a final birthday wish for Ailish. Good mo- wow. good afternoon, J.D. JD. Bunkus. I got to tell you, being the anchor is a very nice feeling. Pressure. Like this, but you're up against a clock, too. That's the worst part. You put J.D. up against a four-minute clock. We're never getting it off It was a gamble. Time. It was a gamble. Oh, that's... That's that's the reason why they actually did it. They that's didn't true. save best for last. They were like, yo, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up. You have to shut up. We're turning off the show in three minutes. That's it. I hear Happy them in my ear early. already. They're in my ear. Happy birthday. Thanks, JD. Appreciate it. So great. I haven't seen you all week. I know. I like how you're the only host who gets this treatment. Like, my birthday comes and goes, and nobody cares. Cuthbert, you think you're getting this? You think on your birthday you get lots of phone calls? I hope not. It's also on a weekend, which is pretty important because this is setting a dangerous precedent. That is true. That's nice. Okay, can I say a couple nice words about you since, like, what else are we doing here? I would love that. Yeah, okay. So I, I mean this from like the uh, the bottom of my heart. You know I'm a very sincere person. I will say this, that it's like, you know, a couple of years ago, we started working together on the morning show and I didn't know you and I knew a lot. Everybody had really nice things to say about you, which is always a good sign because media isn't exactly full of people who love volunteering kind words about others. Uh, it's mostly the opposite in case yeah, the two of you haven't noticed. Yeah. Oftentimes it's like, hey, you know who sucks? People will happily tell you that. <laughs> they will happily volunteer that information. Who they like, less so. you got to kind of dig that out. With you, it was very much like, hey, this person's great. Hey, this person's great. To the point where I think when I first met you, I was like, I'm not just liking this person because everyone else does. <laughs> You're I gotta skeptical, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, like I got to be a contrarian. I got to go, go the opposite way, but I couldn't. But the biggest thing that I will say about you that, like, and, and I really, really mean this, and you know this, and I have also expressed this to other people, but it's like I've never seen anybody step into the job and just take off and just get better and better and better. And yeah, like your growth doing this work has truly been incredible. Like nobody starts in a morning show slot and just crushes it immediately. Like you hadn't barely done any media even. And yeah, you're polished and you did great school. You stepped in to a drive show in the biggest city in Canada, one of the biggest cities in North America. And you just took right to it. And every single year, every time I listen to your show, over and over again, I just I come away being very, very impressed about just how much better you are getting. I will say, I think a big part of that is Justin and you getting away from me. Well, you are actually yeah. so, <laughs> that helps. Big, Speaking of that, we got to go. Okay. Well, JD, thanks so much. It's really, I know you mean that. I really do appreciate it. And then now you can just text me mean things just to offset it and we'll be all set. It, yeah, balance. Really it's all about it's balance. It's all about balance. But thanks, buddy. Bye, I really guys. do appreciate Happy it. Birthday. Thanks so much. Thanks, JD. Good.
God, that was so nice, guys. I'm really glad my birthday is on a weekend now because I we cannot have anyone come on and match that. There's that no chance. That was really sweet. Well, thanks to everyone for doing that. Charles, Marie, Laura, JD, like the only four people that I wanted to hear from today. It's pretty good. I'm not sure if you got the invite there to that wedding. I wasn't, I didn't oh, sure I, how that went. I might be involved in the wedding. Okay. So I you're, hope so. You're definitely going. But though. thanks, guys. Thanks. I know you did a lot of that. I know Bafo did. I know behind oh, the Bafo. scenes, everyone's pressing buttons, got six phones to their ear like Kyle Dubas. Appreciate it very much. This was a fun day. Maybe not, my best birthday in years. I'm not sure what you're going to do with all the sugar intake today. I don't so know. Uh, try to get to sleep. We not that you have to get up game early. Tonight, 7:30 on Sportsnet. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great night. See you tomorrow.